warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters! Welcome back to another Stabby Snippet here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I am joined by my best friend in the whole world, Tara. Hey, spooksters! Today is a stabby, so I'm going, I know you guys were probably like super excited for another like homicide hunter, but we're not going there yet. (laughs) Not yet. We are going to be talking about nine unbelievable St. Patty's Day crimes and mishaps. So (laughs) buckle in for this article. It's on Audie is the name of the website. Mm -hmm. It was released in 2015. So if you're like, oh my God, Jessica, why, why didn't you talk about this? And if it happened after 2015, I don't fucking know. So. Yeah, I mean, we can make it a part two. We can do updated ones, too. You guys just have to de- yell at us. It's fine. <laughs> yell in our general direction. That's how we That's how we know. We won't know unless you tell For us. Real. Okay. Okay, yeah. number one, the man who robbed a bank dressed as a leprechaun. Oh, my God. On St. Patrick's Day in 2010, First State Bank in the Nashville suburb of Gallatin was held up by a man presumably looking for a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yes, this bank robber was dressed as a leprechaun. Police said the gun-toting leprechaun scored an undisclosed amount of cash before leaving the bank. He then joined another suspect in the car outside, and the two fled. Cops spotted the vehicle and and gave chase, and a wild gunfight broke out. Wow. One suspect was killed by police fire and the other took his life as cops closed in. Money was recovered from the abandoned vehicle, which had a large leprechaun hat in the back seat. Oh, my God. Number two, the brazen art heist that was carried out during a city St. Patrick's Day celebration. Mm-hmm. This kind of sounds familiar. Maybe we Is this first. the Gardner Museum? Yeah. Oh, yes, because I did a stabby on that like two years ago. Ooh. Yeah, I was going to say this sounds familiar. I love this one. In 1990, Mm -hmm. I know, it's such a great one, criminals capitalized on many distractions caused by Boston's St. Patrick's Day celebration to carry out a brazen robbery of the Isabel Stewart Garden Museum. The men dressed as Boston police officers descended upon the museum and quickly convinced security guards they were responding to a call about a disturbance on the property. They tied up the guards and proceeded to take 13 works of art from artists such as Rembrandt and Monet. The heist was valued at a loss of $500 million, making the robbery the largest private property theft ever. The works were never returned, nor were the suspects ever arrested. Though in 2013, the FBI claimed to know their identities. Several empty frames still hang in the Dutch room of the museum in homage to the pieces still missing and the placeholders if they are ever returned. Mm-hmm. 
That's so wild. And guys, there's a Netflix thing on this one, too. So listen to the episode, watch the thing. Then there's a bunch of shit on YouTube, too, because I think I did that like right. I, I don't know if I've actually watched the Netflix one, but like I think it came out right after ish or something. But anyways, check it out. It's really cool. I remember I watched a YouTube video from like a thing from like the night shortly after it happened. <laughs> so it was like a 90s <laughs> show that I was watching. <laughs> I like that it's been like 20 or no, 33 years. Almost it's almost 33 years that this, yeah. this has been gone. That's crazy. Right? Insane. Number three, the tourist who was beaten, robbed, and stripped of his clothes by an unruly crowd on St. Patrick's Day. Oh. People stop. That's rude. Right? What the fuck? On March 18th, 2012, the day after citywide St. Patrick's Day celebrations, a crowd gathered around a tourist in downtown Baltimore and beat, robbed, and stripped him of his clothes. The victim was intoxicated at the time of the incident, was a 31-year-old man from Alexandria, Virginia, and was on his way back to the hotel when it occurred. He lost Mm -hmm. his keys to his Audi, his iPhone, and his watch. Mm. Wow. He woke up the next morning with injuries and had no recollection of what had occurred. He was unaware that a video was shot and uploaded of the attack and and had been viewed over a half million times. After the video appeared online, social media sleuths used tools to identify and track down the assailants. At least one turned himself in and the other three were arrested. And they have since served one to three years in prison. Jesus. <sighs> That's crazy. But go internet sleuths for finding out who did it. Especially because this was like in 2012. Yeah. Like a little bit more difficult than it is now. It's <laughs> very true. Okay. Number four, the woman who found a drunk firefighter passed out on her stoop on St. Patrick's Day. Literally, there's a photo of the dude. Oh, gosh. A woman came home on St. Patrick's Day 2010 to find a passed out man in a New York fire department uniform blocking her door. Windsor Terrace residents Lauren Hill, wait, is it the Lauren Hill? Probably not. Tried to nudge the firefighter awake as he was blocking her door. Fearful he might become belligerent, she decided to call 911 instead. She told the dispatcher that the stranger was well-dressed and in uniform, but his shoes were missing. Mm. Oh, no. Hmm. While the identity of the man has not been publicly revealed, Fire Commissioner Sal Cassiano said, During the investigation, it's not something I would expect from a firefighter in uniform. Hmm. But he has no shoes. Yeah, that's, that's so a mystery. Weird. Yeah. Not the dude passed out. It's like, where the fuck are your shoes, bro? <laughs> here's the thing people go out have the time of your life be careful don't lose your shoes don't be that sloppy Mm. and i mean i say this as i have fully thrown my shoes at things before when i'm drunk but like yeah i went and picked them up i did not lose them (laughs) okay number five the cabbie who tailed a drunk driver in a high-speed chase after a st patrick's day hit and run brian f irvin 22, hit and severely injured a New York woman with his vehicle on St. Patrick's Day in 2014. According to court documents, Brian and several of his friends started drinking the morning of March 17th and continued throughout the day. While driving, he struck a woman as she and her boyfriend were crossing the intersection. Oh my God. Actually hit them. I thought it was like in a car. Yeah. Okay. Brian's blood alcohol level content was measured at 0.13% after the crash, and though one of his passengers urged him to stop after the incident, he drove away. A cab driver by the name of Michael Travis witnessed the event and followed Brian's car until Brian, 
driving at speeds reaching 80 miles per hour and aware that he was being tailed, lost the cab. Police were alerted by Travis, who also copied down Brian's license plate number and were waiting for him at his home to arrest him. Brian pled guilty to a felony mm-hmm. charges of second degree vehicular assault and leaving the scene of, a, of the incident without reporting it to the police and two counts of misdemeanor driving while intoxicated. He received a one-year conditional discharge for the misdemeanors, but he will be required to install an alcohol sensor lock on his vehicle when his driving privileges are restored. Hmm. That doesn't seem like a lot. No. a person. Right? Like, that's a serious fucking thing. What the fuck? I get it. You made a mistake and you hit someone, but don't leave the scene of the crime. They probably would have gone a lot. I mean, not that it was very much that happened to him so Mm -hmm. probably would have been less brian for real number six the saint patrick's day blowout that left eight students injured after a roof collapsed nearly 1,000 students from cal poly san luis obispo california were partying at an off-campus saint Freddy's day party i love that when the roof (laughs) of the garage belonging to the university's basketball coach collapsed bringing 30 students down and injuring eight oh my god were they on the roof it kind of sounds why like it, it fell. Oh, that's scary. Right. What were many of the... <laughs> if I just kept reading, it would have let me know. What were many partygoers doing on the roof? Roofing. A term coined by slow students to describe the act of sitting on a roof while drinking beer. Oh, my God. <laughs> slow Mayor Jane Marks is proposing an ordinance during the next city council, which happens to be on St. Patrick's Day. That's funny that will prohibit people from being on a roof unless they are doing maintenance work. Okay, I don't like that because, like, when I was a kid, I used to sunbathe on my roof, but it was Mm -hmm. just me on my roof. Yeah. Well, you know, some people, little group of people ruin it for everybody. This is so true. This is so true. Okay. Number seven, the man who sucker punched an NYPD officer during the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Oh, how did you think that was going to go for you? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. The arrest of a drunken, out-of-control teen at a St. Patrick's Day Parade is not news, but what might have happened to him while he was in custody. Nicholas McGowan, 19, from Mariners Harbor, New York, was accused of punching a police officer during a St. Patty's Day Parade and was badly beaten about the face and body. Well, in the care of the police, his defense attorney said. Oh, so he basically, he attacked a police officer and they beat him up. Mm-hmm. I get it. McGowan is alleged to have sunk or punched a police officer who was trying to disperse a crowd during the parade. He grabbed the police officer's $400 pair of prescription glasses from his face and crushed them in his hand. When the police officer tried to restrain the man who appeared intoxicated, he resisted arrest. The young man appeared in court, bruised about the face and body. He faces charges of second and third degree assault and fourth degree criminal mischief, resisting arrest and fourth degree criminal possession of a weapon, according to the information from the DA's office. His mother herself, a retired police officer, does not believe the allegations and insisted her son has never been in trouble before. An anonymous witness purports to have a video of the incident calling it another caught on camera brutality case. I mean... I don't know what to feel. Yeah. Gonna move on. Mm-hmm. The man who set himself on fire during <laughs> number eight, the man who set himself on fire during a New or New Jersey St. Patrick's Day prep call. The fuck, people? Oh. 
In March of 2015, a homeless man set himself on fire during a Hoboken St. Patrick's Day prep call. Police received a call just after 11 p.m. that a man was trying to set himself on fire. Once they arrived, they discovered that the unidentified man was indeed on fire in the middle of the road in an area where 25 bars had signed up to participate in a crawl. The man then began screaming as the fire started to spread from his jacket to his skin. The officers were able to get him onto the ground and roll him over to put him out. And he was not seriously injured, but was transported to the Hoboken University Medical Center. The crawl continued for business as usual with 11 arrests for everything from assault to drug possession. There are over 100 violations of city ordinances barring public drinking and urination. Wow. People. I want to know. Okay, I just need to know this. Why? Why set yourself on fire? Right. That doesn't seem like an appropriate thing. Mm-mm. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to jump over this fire hydrant or I'm going to like, I don't know, do something else unruly, but like lighting yourself on fire? Yeah, I don't get it. Okay, I just okay. don't understand like, why would you light yourself on fire? Like, what, what, what? Even drunk as fuck, I would not think that was a good idea. No, I mean, like, I get, like, I have a friend who took stunt double courses, right? Yeah. And he can yeah. literally light himself on fire safely. Right. But see, I feel like if this person had anything like that, the fucking media would have grabbed it and been like, stupid stuntman, lit himself on fire or some right. shit. You know what I mean? So, oh my gosh, people are. You wild people, jeez. Fucking East Coasters, man. <laughs> For real. <laughs> There's only been like one of these things on the West Coast. And that's, let's be honest, drinking on top of a roof is very Californian. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, number nine, the St. Paddy's Day celebration that descends into chaos and mass arrests. I mean, isn't that every St. Paddy's Day? You know what's <laughs> news? St. Patrick's Day, nothing happened. Mystery. Okay. True. 2014's Blarney blowout near the University of Massachusetts. Fucking East Coasters. Mm. Love you guys so much. You're a different level of crazy. I love it. Spiraled out of control as police in riot gear were pitted against thousands of drunken and unruly. There were 52 arrests and four officers were injured in the clashes that included some students throwing beer bottles, cans, and snowballs. I mean, the snowballs at least probably were okay, unless, you know, they were ice or rocks inside them. Eight people were issued summonses. Most charges were for disturbing the peace, open container violations, but some were assault and battery on police officers and others. About 90% of those charged were UMass students. While the universities publicly denounced the students' behavior, the students themselves were upset by what they call aggressive police tactics. At least one, Thomas Donovan, has filed a civil rights lawsuit against the Amherst police, alleging he was wrongfully charged and excessive force was issued in his arrest. His lawsuit seeks unspecific monetary or unspecified monetary damages, of course. Oh my God. Okay, I'm just going to say it. If you throw a beer bottle, that's not like, that's an escalation. That could hurt Mm -hmm. someone so badly. I mean, people die from getting hit with beer bottles. For real. And the fact that it was like office, like four officers were injured. Granted, they don't say how many students were injured, but let's just call it crazy in Massachusetts. Say I would not. I mean, it's not just like being in Boston on St. Patrick's Day as is like 
It'd be a cool feeling. I also think it would be a crazy time, and I don't know if I could handle it. Mm-hmm. Especially because this St. Patrick's Day, I will be in a meeting all day long. But I did buy a green suit, so I love it. I'm very excited about it. Okay, so with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. And we will see you back here on Monday for another episode. Bye, guys. Toodles. <laughs>